This is the Edge of Innovation, Hacking the Future of Business. I'm your host, Paul Parisi. And I'm Jacob Young. On the Edge of Innovation, we talk about the intersection between technology and business, what's going on in technology, and what's possible for business. Hello, today I'm here with Simon Wainwright, president of Freebird Semiconductor out of Haverhill, Massachusetts. Hi, good afternoon, Welcome. Thank you for coming in. No problem. So we met probably two years ago now? Yeah, I tell you. And you're, you were starting a new semiconductor company. And, you know, our audience is quite diverse. You've got just normal people that have no idea what a semiconductor is to really technical people that can probably build semiconductors. Some of your competitors are people that we work in the same realm in the manufacturing world. Why did you start a semiconductor manufacturing company? How has it been? Two years? Three years now? Okay. So what, what was the inflection point? What caused you to say, hey, I'm going to start a semiconductor manufacturing company? It was the advantages of the technology. Okay. We, we work with gallium nitride. Okay. An emerging technology. It's been around for, you know, in the research realms for about 10, 15 years. Okay. And then maybe a mainstream RF or radio frequency type circuit for, for a little bit longer than it has been into the, the main power markets. But we had a relationship with the CEO and founder of another company called Efficient Power Conversion. Okay. Who is actually our foundry supplier of gallium nitride. And the technology just has advantages that make it really is an offer we couldn't turn down. Okay. We, We can make things smaller, faster, more efficient, and cheaper. Okay, well, let's get into that a little bit. So, first of all, before we do that, what's your background? I can tell you're not from Boston. I'm from Old England. Old England, that's <laughs> Old right, England. not New England. Okay, that's, that's right, a good that's point. Right. So, I'm, I'm from the UK. Okay. I, I studied electrical engineering, electronic engineering at the University of Liverpool. I followed that through with a, a PhD mm-hmm. in silicon on insulator technology, believe it or not. Okay. Now, now mainstream. Yep. Then I moved to Spain. Uh, my personal life to me to Spain for 20 years. Okay. I, I was their partner in one of the semiconductor companies in Spain okay. as well. So this is right in your uh, wheelhouse. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it wasn't like you were a baker and oh, you say, no. oh, I'm going to wake up and be a, I'm going to make semiconductors today. Oh, no, no, no. It's, uh, okay. It's, I, I've always been involved in semiconductors in one form or another. Okay. And what brought you to New England? Basically, in my Spanish company, I was trying to sell to an American company. Okay. He said, hey, we don't want to buy your chips, but we want to hire you. Oh. So they, I got a job with this company, and they ultimately brought me over about six or seven years, six years ago now. Okay. Six years ago now. Yeah. So you're relatively new to the United yeah. States. All right. Very new. All right. And where, have you always been in New England, or did you live somewhere else? Always here. All right, always here. And strangely enough, the Spanish company actually had an office in Andover. Oh, okay. Which is just down the road from Haverhill, where we are located now. Right. I've had an association with the area for you know, 25 years. Okay, cool. So now you didn't just sort of sit up one day and say, hey, I'm going to do this. You didn't do it alone. You have a key team, I would imagine. Yes, yes. And who are some of the people on that, and, and also what are their roles? So basically there are three founders. Okay. And we each cover distinct areas of the business for myself i cover a little bit of the technical stuff and uh-huh. in my background obviously but uh, i'm also in charge of the actual general management of the business okay now, so i have an mba as well that, okay uh, that helps towards that so basically just the general running of the company day-to-day stuff yeah, the yeah. Stuff. 
And then we have a couple of other partners, uh -huh. founders. One is a technical guy who's uh -huh. been 25 years in the industry doing radiation-hardened MOSFETs. Okay. Which is a similar product. It's not the same, but a similar product. So he's basically, we, we call him the chief radiation officer. CRO? The CRO. Oh, okay, CRO, cool. Yeah. So All right. We have our product portfolio, which we'll get into a little bit yep. later. It's very much radiation hardened. So okay. So we wanted to make an emphasis on that. That's why he got that title. Cool. And then we had the other founder, Jim. Uh-huh. Uh, he basically is a, an industry veteran. I see. He's been through many different uh, larger companies. He's had his own, his own small company as well, sales company. He's in charge of sales marketing and, and uh, sort of like the product strategy. So now, is this your first startup from ground zero? Yes, from ground zero, yes. Okay. I've had other businesses, but from ground zero, this is this was the biggest, All right. biggest bite I've taken out of the apple. Okay. How is it? The uh, entrepreneurial side. Oh, the entrepreneurial side is good. It is? Good. You I, like it, so you get energy from that as oh, opposed absolutely. to? Okay, good. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, I would never go back and work for anybody. Yeah, I like to say that people don't understand entrepreneurs very well, but you wake up every Monday and you're not employed. Exactly. <laughs> you, you don't have a job. If you don't get up, nobody's going to do it. Absolutely. So do you find that to be the case? Absolutely. I think sometimes I don't even go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> that's like funny. That. It seems like that. that's, a good, that's a good way to put it. All right. You're in New England working for a company that sort of brought you over to help them. How did the idea, what came across your desk or was it you had an epiphany or that said, I'm going to go in and start a semiconductor company in this particular technology? It was essentially a, we'd seen this in the industry. Sure. It's been around in the industry, but it was very marginal on the outskirts of uh -huh. technology. And then there was a reorganization within the company that we worked for. Mm -hmm. All three of us worked for. Oh, okay. That's good. So there's a, a reorganization and it just felt like the right time. So it was, we didn't want to go in the direction that that company went sure. into, and we wanted to follow this path. Right. There's a lot of technologies that come out that don't prove out. Mm -hmm. So there was, a, was there a huge risk, or were you at the point, was it past the tipping point of it proving out? It had gone through its initial preliminary stages where you knew it was going okay. to work. So I mean, I'm not sure the tipping point was the... There's still a lot of work that we've done in the last two years and uh -huh. maybe taken it to the tipping point. I right? see. Okay. But, but you took a big risk. Oh, I mean, yeah, absolutely. so absolutely. because it could have been that, oh, we can't solve these problems. Yes, absolutely. It, so, it was a major risk. That's my wife about that. <laughs> <laughs> you did what? You did what? <laughs> you did <laughs> So, okay, well, that's key to the, or just everybody's entrepreneurial experience. There's a point at which it looks like this will never, it's never going to work. Mm -hmm. And you persevere through that and hopefully it will work and then hopefully it's scalable. I don't think that that's fully the case in, okay. in, 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 my, in my case. Mm -hmm. I, I believed in it from day one. Okay. If you don't believe in it, you don't take that risk. Sure, but you but that risk is there. Oh, absolutely. It, you may have a ri irrational belief, mm -hmm. but you proved out now yeah. that it was rational. Absolutely. Okay, so you're past that um, that failure point, Im imminent failure point. <laughs> <laughs> so now it's the execution of developing it. So w where are you in that? You took an idea that was a concept or a set of processes probably and refined those so that they would produce what what you had hoped they would produce. Correct. It, it was it was essentially so the, the guy that we we work with with efficient power mm -hmm. he has a product. Mm -hmm. So we thought we can make that product better and specifically direct it towards the space and okay. high reliability markets. 
Okay. And that, that's a market that EPC was not interested in getting into. Oh, interesting. Because they didn't want the, the hassle of supporting, you know, a Boeing, a Northrop Grumman, okay. any of these large, you know, prime subcontractors that, that ask for reams and reams of data. Okay. He, he so to, to what to what end? So I mean, all right, well, first of all, yeah. there's a bunch to, to peel back here for the general listener. I think. So you say you supply stuff to the space industry. You didn't even say aerospace. No, it's space. So it's space. No, I am pretty technically savvy and interested in it, and I follow SpaceX and, uh, and all this stuff. But there doesn't seem to be that many things going into space, or maybe I'm just ignorant. Oh, there are tons of things going on in space and now okay. Is, now is space's watershed moment, so to say. It's the space really? revolution, I would say, at the moment. And, but for, this is for near-Earth objects? Or is that the words? It's that Leo, uh, low Earth Earth. orbit. Okay. So they're the ones that are closer, and then you can go to you know, medium-Earth orbit. All right. So is this like tens of things are going on in space, or hundreds, or thousands, you or tens of thousands? How many launches? There, there are launches every week. Really? Say, yeah, yeah. I would say that the satellites buzzing around up there at the moment. Huh. It's, it's impossible to put a, an exact number. Interesting. On but for instance, there's, and this is in the public domain, and there's a number of constellations that are coming out now. So take, for instance, a commercial constellation called OneWeb. Okay. You may have heard that. They yep. just broke ground down in Florida. They've set up, a, I think, yeah, it's, a, it's a conglomeration between Airbus, I think, Richard Branson's involved mm-hmm. in it. There's a, a number of things. SoftBank has funded this. And there's a, a revolution at the moment in the space movement. And, and OneWeb is just one of the constellations. I think SpaceX... And by a constellation, you mean multiple satellites mm-hmm. working together? Absolutely. So okay. Like a network in space. Okay. Cybersecurity is critical for today's businesses. Savior Labs is a Boston cybersecurity firm that cares for your business and your team. We solve problems so you can focus on what you do best. Just follow the link in the show notes and enter code SECURITY for more information. And we're back. We're talking with Simon Wainwright from Freebird Semiconductor. So there are a number of projects for this type of constellation. So they would launch uh, nearly you know, 800 satellites. Oh, wow. Okay. At, at a very low altitude, so mm-hmm. low Earth orbit, mm-hmm. low Earth orbit. And what is that, just for um, listeners? Is I, that? Yeah, I wouldn't be able to give you the actual yeah. height of the orbit. I, I could look it up. I yep. know, okay. Top of my mind, but it's, it's basically the closest you can get to Earth without actually falling through. I see. Okay, so good. It's, it's not very high. That's mm-hmm. why they need more to cover. Oh, I see. Because the distance isn't as far. Yeah, so the, the longer ones, the, the higher altitude satellites, such as the geostation, uh-huh. they would stay over the same point, but they right. would cover more because the cone of coverage comes down. Okay. Covers more area on the Earth's surface. I know we're getting off track here, but why wouldn't I put up a higher one? It's more expensive. Why? So you have to get it higher. Just really, that's that's the expense. Rockets, okay. Rockets, and it's exposed to more harsh atmosphere. Okay. There, so Good point. So you get more radiation. It's closer to the radiation sources. Uh, I see. The so, so there's like a sweet spot. Uh, or many speed sweet spots. The higher you go, the more radiation hardened you need. Okay. The lower you go, the more tolerant you can be. Okay. All right. So I would have never thought that's a cool thing to sort of look up is to go and look at all these different projects that are going on for all the low Earth orbit stuff. Okay. So there's a lot in the space world. Yeah. So, I mean, basically there's been a shift from the, you know, the small constellations with geostationary satellites with the, with the high altitude. Yep. And they have to have lifetimes of, you know, 15-year Okay. Expectancy. Yeah, because you can't call a repair 
Exactly. <laughs> it's very expensive. <laughs> it's, it's just very expensive to do that, yeah. So basically the commercial level of satellites mm-hmm. at the moment, which is all these LEO constellations, mm-hmm. these very commercial constellations, is changing the market. It's revolutionizing can... the, the market at the moment. So it's a little bit like you know Henry Ford did with Cox. You right. Know, you could make tons of these Yep. You, they're, you know, they're almost, you can use them and throw them away. Right. I see. So it's, it's getting to scale yeah. is yeah. really. So let's let's take another detour. We're getting further away. But what are they doing with these constellations? What, what's a, an application? So one of the typical applications is communication. So okay. it's basically internet via space. You may have wow. Project Loon uh-huh. on Google. I'm yep. not sure whether that's still going on or not with, with balloons. They want to mm-hmm. altitude balloons. Right. So this essentially uses these new commercial uh, constellations right. to link together and they form a network. It's almost like the old cell phone yep. towers, if you like, mm-hmm. with, you know, with no towers and no mm-hmm. wires on the ground. Interesting. So it can give absolute coverage all over the globe. Wow. Access. Wow. You get your internet access via satellite. So, in the case of what's just happened, the, the hurricanes mm-hmm. in Texas and Florida and the, and the Caribbean, it doesn't matter if your cell tower is over. Of course. Yeah. It's a paradigm shift. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's, it's a major revolution in the way that we communicate as well. Okay. So, you saw an opportunity for is, is really the differentiator in your products the radiation hardening of it? I would say between our products which is radiation hardened gallium nitride uh-huh. and normal gallium nitride uh-huh. absolutely it's okay. radiation hardened right but between GAN per se and other technologies such as silicon mm-hmm. we have far more superior performance we have uh, faster switching times okay so what what are you making what, I mean, are they transistors? Are they so integrated trans- circuits? Oh, you make transistors. Okay. Transistors. Everybody's familiar with the transistor radio. Right. It's a, it's a switch. Uh-huh. You turn things on and you turn things off with a piece of silicon. Yep. Okay. Uh, 2N222. 2222. That's a, an old silicon technique. Yeah, that's it's right. still going. Yes, so it is. nothing wrong with it. So, okay. So, for our listeners that aren't electronics people... Like you have a light switch, a transistor is a switch. Check me on this. Is a switch, but the toggle is another like electric field. So yeah. you connect something to the toggle and it lets it flow or not flow. Exactly. And that's why it's called a semiconductor because it conducts under one circumstance and in another circumstance it doesn't. So I had thought everything moved to ICs. No. You know, with millions of transistors on the IC. So you're saying that there's still applications for just individual transistors. Yep, absolutely. We, we call them discrete components. Yep, okay. Discrete components. So there's absolutely a market for that at the moment. And the way that there is a market for that is it depends on the, the application. Mm-hmm. The ICs that you're talking about will basically be digital functions. So right. Processors or things like that. Yes, no. Yep, so yeah. What we do with our discrete devices, uh-huh. individual transistors, is that we manage the flow of power. Oh, okay. So we are dedicated really towards providing solutions for the power management of the satellite. Okay. So to give you an idea, you've seen the wings of a satellite with the solar mm-hmm. panels. Right. So they gather energy from the sun, yep. feed that through to a converter on the actual body of the satellite itself, yep. and then basically that raw energy has to be converted into, I don't know, 5 volts, sure. 3.3 volts. So okay. It has to amplify something. Voltage regulators. Yeah. So. so basically... You can use our discrete transistors mm-hmm. 
in all of these power supply-based circuits. Okay. So I could use silicon to do that. You can. I, 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 and so if we were sitting here on Earth, which we are, and we were going to build a power supply mm-hmm. that converted the sun energy to 5 volt, 12 volt, whatever it might be, yep. And regulate that so it doesn't change. And we could build it with a lot of different things. I could go out and get an IC to do that. Absolutely. But when I fly that into space, certain problems start to happen. When you go into space, you have to take into account that the parameters of these transistors mm-hmm. can change with the, you know, if you receive doses of radiation. Oh, really? In, okay. In space, you obviously, there's no atmosphere. There, right. So radiation can easily attack your electronics. So that's the first advantage of using our products, which mm-hmm. is modified sufficiently so that they are radiation hard. And is that just the case of it, or is it actually the, the, the actual innards? innards of the, of the so they're not affected as much by radiation? Correct. That is absolutely correct. And is it is it like a 2% difference, or is it like a 50% difference? Or? It's like night and day. Night and day, okay. Night and day. It's so it's, it's, it's a game changer for yeah, that. Absolutely. So what would what did we do before this technology? So before this technology, we had silicon, basically, which has its limitations. So you yep. have to do a lot of derating. You have to use them oh, I see. way below their, their stated voltages so that the radiation doesn't really affect it. I see. So you have to over-design these things. And make them bigger, imagine. Make them bigger. Size gets huge. Shielding and yep. things like that. Shielding around the, the actual circuitry itself. Not Interesting. Just, not just the component, but the circuitry itself. And then there's another element to using gallium nitride as well. Okay. Not only have we managed to achieve radiation hardness with it, but intrinsically the material itself, gallium mm-hmm. nitride mat- material, is far better than silicon anyway. So if, just to go back to your previous example mm-hmm. on the ground, so mm-hmm. if you wanted to build a power supply or a, you know, a converter or something like that on the ground, right. where we don't even worry about radiation right. hardness uh, effects, we could still make those circuits way more efficient. So actual efficiency. So if I have a, I'm building a power supply that's 50% efficient, yours would be 60%? I, would, yeah, I, mean, I know there's a lot of parameters, but I'm just saying. But we can easily, easily outstrip the state of the art. Because that's going to be... Well, that's going to be a huge issue in computers. I mean, mm-hmm. the biggest problem in computers is getting the power to them. Yeah, and so, so there's a market there as well. You'll see that some of the commercial applications that EPC is pursuing are smaller bricks, essentially. Mm-hmm. Right, bricks, right. Smaller ones of those. Even the remote charging. You can do mm-hmm. remote charging because gallium nitride switches way faster than, than Interesting. Any, any silicon technology. Interesting. So you can get the wireless charging. It's also advantageous for things like LiDAR. Uh-huh. So it yep. will revolutionize the autonomous vehicles. Autonomous vehicles and because it can scan and it has vision systems that are way more detailed wow. than a standard silicon-based technology. So it really is a, it's a GAN revolution. At the moment. Uh, okay. It's a GAN really? revolution. Today we were listening to part one of three of our interviews with Simon Lehman from Freeburn Semiconductor. <laughs> The Edge of Innovation is brought to you in partnership with Savior Labs. Savior Labs exists to help businesses mature and strategize for the future. Learn more about Savior Labs at SaviorLabs.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Edge of Innovation, Hacking the Future of Business. For the show notes and more information about Paul, please visit 
paulparisi.com. The Edge of Innovation is produced by Jacob Young in conjunction with copious amounts of coffee. Music on today's episode was from bensound.com. Paul can be found on Twitter at pdparisi and on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash pdparisi. This episode, like all our episodes, is transcribed and available at paulparisi.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.